I oh, am. I'm sitting on a ball. What are you guys sitting on? I'm sitting on two. I'm sitting on two balls. So <laughs> hold on. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's better. <laughs> Welcome to the Two Authors Chat Show, an entertaining podcast with two best-selling authors connecting readers with an eclectic array of distinguished guests through lively conversation and interviews. Hosted by mystery, suspense, and thriller writers, Douglas Pratt and Nicholas Harvey. Welcome to the show, everybody. Hope everyone's doing well. How about yourself, Mr. Harvey? I'm a good, I'm a good, I'm good, good, good. It's nice to see you. Right now, as we're recording this, storms are raging throughout the United States of America. How, how's it been with you in uh, Tennessee? Uh, today is actually pretty, but... This week, it's going to turn brutally cold, which, you know, for here, like negative two, I think, is the temperature on Sunday, which is going to be terrible. Yeah. Hope everyone's doing okay. That's been in the storms. I know a lot of friends of ours have been uh, posting stuff. It's uh, It's been scary. There's been some nasty, nasty stuff. It's climate change. You got it. It's not fake news, people. There's some stuff going on. All right. We got a listener question. What do you got? We do, yes. So our question today comes from Portland, Maine, which is farther north than I've ever been. But it's from Danny Green, who asks, how long does it take you to write a book? The actual writing stage takes me about six weeks, six to seven, somewhere in that neighborhood. So it depends where you go, okay, when is it written? So I start, I lay out some form of a plot, depending on uh, what what I'm up to. I plot a bit or plot a lot varies, and then um, then I get down to writing, and uh, I try and shoot for about ten thousand words a week. Uh, and a book generally comes out in the mid seventies, so that would be just over seven weeks. But what tends to happen is I do more words as I get towards the end, and you get into the final stuff where there's no more sort of plotting and trying making sure you're fitting bits and pieces together. You're at the end in the final climactic scenes so i kind of tend to output more so about six or seven weeks and then i then I, I read through and do my my edit read throughs and then it goes to the uh to the editor how about you same i mean it's about it's about six to eight weeks i probably go a little bit longer than you um i'm a little slower i think i get a little more sidetracked but for the actual writing i think it's about the same about two thousand words a day ten thousand words a week I'm actually on a project right now, which is a extra project that I'm doing for myself. If I'm going to meet the goal, I have to do 12,000 words a week plus um, to be able to fit it in because I'm squeezing it in between writing my main series. So it's challenging, um, especially when the, you know there's always other stuff going on. And of course, I'm doing the final editing for the uh, for the AJ book. So all that stuff's coming back and forth to me that I have to interact with. And then, so I had a great week of writing last week where I lost the day and then caught it up and hit my word count. And then this week I thought, ah, I'm going to be good. And then I lost the day completely yesterday um, with working on the AJ project, but it balances out. There's always a, a little bit of that. It's always kind of a mixture of some days I get what I need done. Some days I get just barely what I need done. Some days I blow through it. Some days I don't get it anywhere near because there's something else that happens that comes along. So. Life. And I always, will do I that. always think I'm going to write more than I actually do. Like, yeah, I think I would learn by now. Like, oh, we went down to Florida to do some diving. I'm like, I'll make sure I get a thousand words a day. No, I did not. It never happens. Uh, it's you think I'd learn. I think probably four days out of seven weeks to write a book, I write more than I had 
thought I would write that day. That That's kind of the ratio. All right, who we got on this week as a guest? Yes, we have uh, New York Times, USA Today, best-selling author. She writes romance, sports romance, which is going to be kind of cool. I hope we get to talk about that. Uh, Jay Sterling, Jen Sterling here today. Welcome to the show, Jen. How are you today? I'm good, Doug. How are you? I'm fabulous. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you look. Are we all sitting comfortably? That's the main thing. Are we sitting comfortably? I am. I'm sitting on a ball. What are you guys sitting on? I'm sitting on two. I'm sitting on two balls. So (laughs) hold on. (laughs) Uh, That's better. (laughs) I think. I think my ball might be bigger than yours. I don't know. I'll break into song. I've got big balls, so. (laughs) We are moving along quickly. Doug, you wouldn't be able to sit. You wouldn't even be able to walk. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's it. This podcast is over. It's over. Over before it even begins. Anyone in their right mind would restart, but we won't. We will plow on through. So, Jen, it's lovely to have you on the show. Tell us a little bit about how you got into writing. Well, Nick, I used to work for Lucasfilm which is Star Wars, and I got fired. And Indiana Jones, right? Well, I mean, Yeah, but... Yeah. Wait, you got fired? I got fired. <laughs> oh, wow. So, I mean... Are I we allowed like, to ask like, what you did to get fired? Was it something cool, at least? No, it was not something cool. It was actually... I, it wasn't, like, one thing. It's actually a horrible <laughs> story that would <laughs> take much longer than we have on this podcast. Pal- podcast to get into so I feel awful for bringing it up <laughs> I just no I mean I, I don't even know how to cliff notes version it was awful I got fired I'm so awesome who the hell would fire me <laughs> anyway <laughs> did you tell them where to shove their lightsaber pretty much like okay don't let the fucking door hit me on the way out oh am I allowed to swear uh, you just bit, did yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. we just talked about balls I think we're pretty good on swearing that's not the same as saying the f word so you you moved on from working from Lucasfilm, and what happened next? I got fired. I went out and bought a laptop. It was literally my first laptop ever, and I started writing this book that I had had in my head for like 12 years, honestly. And I never wanted to write it before, but then I suddenly couldn't stop thinking about it. So you know how they say like timing is divine and everything happens in the right time for the right reason or whatever? It kind of felt like everything fell together as it fell apart. And that's really how I started writing. It wasn't a successful book, to be honest, oh. by any means. <laughs> I thought that was going to lead into and that launched my career. <laughs> Absolutely not. But I really just thought I had one book to tell. I thought I just had one story, one book that I wanted to write. And I wrote it and I was like, cool, I did it. Now what am I going to do with my life? Then I was like, oh, I, I think like maybe I have another idea for another book. And so then I really felt like, I think I really enjoy writing books. Like I really enjoy doing this. I'm not making any money. This is really hard. This is a lot of work, but I'm really enjoying doing this. And it was my third book that like took off and went crazy. Okay. So number three was what launched it. And were you in a series at this point or were they uh, standalones? Yeah. I mean, I'd written just two completely standalone stories. And it's so funny because in the time when you're in it, you feel like, oh my gosh, like, Nothing is taking off. Nothing is working. Like, how am I going to be successful? Or how can I even make any kind of money writing books? And it just feels like this long, (laughs) this long journey. 
And whenever I look back, I'm like, it was your third book, bitch. Like, that's it was pretty like, good. That's you, pretty quick. You've been writing for one year and then beyond your wildest dreams had this success. So I'm very aware that I'm like, wow, that really was like something special. That really was fast in the grand scheme of things. But it just is, it's so different how you feel when you're in it. Yeah, sure. How long ago was that? That was in 2012 when all my dreams came true. That was a good time though for for ebooks especially, right? That was the the beginning of the the golden years. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was bananas. Like I've had nothing like that since. We're hoping to recreate it this year. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, but don't you find at each level you feel the same thing like when you know, we've all passed through different levels of uh, of what we're making from from selling our books. And you start off and you're like, oh, my God, this is like, <laughs> what am I doing? Why did I do this? And then it picks up a little bit and you're like, oh, I have hope. This is good. It, it, and, and and then it feels like, God, I've got to get to the next level. It, I don't know. Does that ever stop? I'm certainly not a level at a level where that has stopped for me by any means. I still feel like I'm scared to death that this year is good. I'm going to fall on my face. I feel like... I don't take anything for granted. And I think I knew that like right from the beginning, like, oh, just because this book was so successful, that's not a guarantee that anything I write beyond this will have that kind of success or even be remotely successful. And I just think it's a horrible way to feel, but it's also the truth. I mean, it is the truth of the business. We have a lot, we have a lot of flops. On that question, it's like, we were just, my wife and I were discussing this the other day about the whole imposter syndrome. And whether or not you have that or the vice versa, which is like, I feel like I'm never quite done with my goals, which is why I don't have that necessarily that whole imposter. Cause I'm like, Oh no, I'm not quite where I need to be anyway. So there's no need to worry about having that imposter syndrome. Do you feel that way as well? Or do you have something similar to that? I mean, I think imposter syndrome is, is a very like kind of trendy phrase. And it's something that I feel like a lot of people talk about and bring up and want to put themselves in. I personally have never felt imposter syndrome because, (laughs) I mean, I honestly don't know why. It's not that I'm like, oh my God, my books are so great and this should be a bestseller. It has nothing to do with that. I don't feel like an imposter because I'm not. (laughs) Like, I'm a writer. I'm writing stories that I want to tell in my voice. You know, it's a job, but I'm passionate and I'm an artist. And I just, I've never felt like that. But I understand that people are constantly saying that they do, and I just think you shouldn't. No, that's good. <laughs> and we're done. That's exactly the advice we have. So Exactly. So anyone out there that's feeling that, stop. Stop. Just stop it. Stop. Yeah, stop. stop it. I don't understand what you're imposter. When you do bad things, just stop doing that too. So listen to Jim. Yeah, just stop. Yes. Words of advice from Jim. So, so, so you write, well, I guess, sports romance. Is that what you would call it? Is that kind of the, like, or is I it? I mean, I definitely write like contemporary romance, but my best-selling books by far are my sports romance novels. As somebody who doesn't write or, you know, we don't have sports action thrillers, I guess, but um, how does that you work? You could. I could, yeah. AJ Stewart does. AJ does. A- that's true. He, he has themes in each he one of themes, his, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I guess so. Like baseball so- and uh, uh, surfing and all sorts, yeah. It's basically... Doug, it's basically just like writing a romance, but the sport is one of the characters' kind of occupation, right? So it's just that's what's considered a sports romance. Like for me, with the perfect game, it started when they were in college, and the girls in college and the guy is a baseball player. So would it be like 
any sports? Like, what's the most popular sport for sport romance? Do you know? What would that be? Hockey. Hockey, 100%. They won't stop with the hockey romances. Uh, That's hot was, right now. I remember at Nink they were talking yeah, about Yeah, somebody was. You know what we should do? We should break out a ping pong romance. That would be... Oh, yeah. A yeah. pickleball romance. Pickleball romance. Oh, that's good. <laughs> At the villages in Florida. Curling romance. There we go. Oh. oh. Yeah. I don't even know what curling is. Oh, that it's the one British. with the brooms. It's a weird it's British thing. Oh, no. Yeah, that, we're it's not, not gonna, British. No, we're not going to write that. No. They, they, it's where they... We don't no, play that in cool. America. We don't play curling. Yeah, we don't we do, don't do game stupid here. stuff like that. <laughs> yes, you do. I never knew anybody that curled. <laughs> Me either. Uh, Nobody was curling except for my hair. Do you like it's it? Like, but it looks pretty <laughs> straight from here. So, yeah. Th- what my, the fuck, Doug? It's curled. Mine's curled. Mine's it curled looks very too. curly. <laughs> give it. Give it to a Doug. It looks curly, dear. Thanks. Thanks. All right, so sports romance. So, and you're a baseball fan by the sound of it, right? Yeah, very much. I was definitely raised on the Dodgers. I played softball for 15 years. She said, Dodgers. "My son's a, my son's a professional baseball player." So it's like baseball is the sport that I know intimately. So I really enjoy writing it because I know what I'm talking about. My wife used to work for the California Angels back when they were called the California Angels instead of the silly name they have oh, now. Oh, I, wor- I worked for Disney when we sold the Angels. There we go. Yeah, she she met Mr. Autry. Mr. Autry owned, owned Gene oh, Autry owned Gene. when she was there. Yeah, way back. That's so dope. I love it. Also, don't hate on the Dodgers. No, I don't, actually. I was a Dodger fan before I married my wife, and then I had to be an Angels fan. It's It's okay. You're, it's okay. <laughs> we coexist. They're in different leagues. You're allowed to be both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can, you, you can have both. Doug is sitting there like I'm not a baseball Doug's fan. Like, What's baseball? I, yeah, that's pretty much. I don't. I don't watch a lot of baseball. So Doug, that's an American sport. I'm like, <laughs> that is an it, it is, is an, an American, American sport. sport. It is an American sport. I will. You know, it is true. It's just not man. It is it's the American sport. Just to point it out to you. The American pastime. It is. I'm, I'm not disagreeing. It's just never been one I've. It's a big fan to watch. So I do think like sports romance, extremely popular right now. Hockey, a hundred percent dominates. You can write any sport that you want and it would fall into the sports romance category. I think for my book, baseball was just a part of it. I think that the story itself is what really kind of, it was back in the, you know, back in the day before there was ads, before there was marketing. So it was very much just word of mouth. And I think the story was very shocking and there's subject matter in there that I didn't realize was going to be so offensive, <laughs> and, but it, just controversial. Sorry, just like just controversial. And it just the book just blew up. And I had only intended to write to write this one story, but it blew up in such a way that it turned into a series. That's awesome. Hey, if you want to write race car romance. I'll co-write with you. I'll write the racing pieces and then you write the romance bits because I'd be shit at writing the romance bits and I am spent my life in racing before I quit to write books. Yeah, you should definitely. I mean, that's a big deal. All that stuff. As long as you're, I mean. It's like Days of Thunder 2. No, Days it's nothing Thunder like too. Days of Thunder 2. <laughs> nothing. There was one scene in Days of Thunder that was realistic. One scene and one scene only. And that was the rental car scene. 
So uh, I've been involved was, in situations that was, like, with authentic, the rental that you felt like, oh, yeah. oh this is real. <laughs> oh, I can tell you the state we've we've delivered or told them to go pick up their rental car. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of that that went on back in the day, but uh, the rest of it was garbage, entertaining garbage, but garbage. Yeah, but see, that's like when you know that when you know a sport intimately. That's like what is unnerving to watch and also makes you absolutely crazy because you're like, this is total BS. Like, this isn't what happened. This isn't how it goes. This is not how it works. That's why I struggle reading other people's baseball romances because I'm like, yeah, this is just wrong. And it makes me angry. It makes me so mad. <laughs> so on when you talk about reading stuff, what, what else do you like to read? Do you read other romance or do you read other uh, genres? So last year, I, I was very, very, very burnt out of romance. I hated everything about it. I couldn't read it. I couldn't write it. Even thinking about it just made me want to throw up. I was just like, I hate everything about this. It's so cheesy. <laughs> I, I just, I hate this genre. I'm just, ugh. Everybody writes the same stuff. I was just so like, ugh. So I started reading like a lot of mystery and like thrillers because they're, they're so fun. And I get... I get so excited to read that stuff because I can't write like that. Like, I'm not that clever or that, like, plot-driven. I'm not a good plotter. <laughs> okay, first of all, Jen, we write those books. Do we seem clever to you in any way? Do we <laughs> seem clever to you? <laughs> Believe me, you could write that stuff. Yes, you you do. Like, I feel like our brains work in certain ways, and mine is not to plot the things that I write. Oh, but I'm a hell of a dissector while I'm reading it. Like, ooh, I know what's coming next. Or I, But I find so much enjoyment in that. So so I read a lot of, of that kind of stuff last year. Now that I'm back, like, I no longer want to vomit thinking about romance. And I'm <laughs> writing romance again. And I'm so happy and joyful. And like, oh my God, this is so fun. I get why people love this. Like, what a happy, joyful ex escape. I'm reading like nothing but indie romances. I don't ever really read typically like traditionally published authors. I love to read like my indie authors. And are you, do you read uh, primarily the sports romance or are you saying that kind of makes you mad reading that stuff? So you stay contemporary romance? I will read like, like hockey or sports romance. I am currently writing like a small town romance. So I am obsessed with reading other small town romances right now because I never really read them before. But it was just like, oh, this makes so much sense. I I get why people enjoy this. This is so enjoyable to get into a into a world and have all these interconnected standalones because you're already invested in the characters and it's really fun. So I'm having a lot of fun reading different small town romances as I am currently also writing my own. But God, there's a lot of similarities. Do you guys find that in your genre? Like there's just only so many stories to tell. It's just the voice that you tell it in that makes it different. I feel that way about not just the genre, but just in each book I write that sometimes I'm like, hmm, I feel like I repeated this only I on a different island and I'm beating up somebody else. You know, it's the same. But readers like familiarity. They do. They and want the same a thing. Reason, there's a reason that formulas work. Yeah. I struggle with that too as an as an artist where I don't want to keep writing the same thing over and over again because I feel like, oh, I've already told this story 10 different ways. I really, really try to make each one of my books different. And I'm like, ooh, I think that kind of works against you sometimes. Like you're just making it too hard and people love, people love a formula. I love a formula as a reader. I think so. But I think getting a twist on it in some way is important. I mean, there's, there's a couple of 
people in our genre or in our field that are putting out a book a month, which putting out sort of thrillers a book a month is, and they are writing pure fuel formula. They literally, the beats, ever, the way it's broken up, they just move them into different environments in the same, you know, it's a, they're on a ship instead of a plane. And, it, it, you know, it's all very formula and stuff. And for me, that's, it's great. And I, I yes, there's, you're going to move a lot of, a fair number of books and people like the same thing. But I think moving the stuff around and some variety keeps it fresh in your mind and for you and as, as a writer and challenges you, right? Definitely. But I can tell for you, you probably struggle with the same thing I do. And Doug, you probably do as well. The biggest lesson that I'm really trying to learn after being in this business for 13 years, like, geez, Jen, figure it out already, (laughs) is balancing between being an artist and writing for business. And, you know, I do want to write for money, but I don't want to write something I don't feel passionate about. So I have very much always struggled with kind of what you're talking about, that rapid release and putting out a book a month. I'm like, well, I could never do that because I'm not a formulatic writer and I don't just make up BS stories just to put them out for, you know, just to make money. So that has definitely been my biggest hurdle. And I feel like this year, I don't know what it is that's kind of shifted, but I have felt like, hey, I feel like I'm finally in a ground right now with this series that I'm writing. A small town series is very trendy very um, tropey, very much what people want to read, but I'm also loving the stories I'm telling. So I feel like I have that balance right now. And I feel like it's kind of the first time ever intentionally that I've done that because I've always been so artist focused, like everything has to be for the art. And and yes, I want to make money, but like, I don't want to sell out or I don't want to this or I don't want to that. And it's a hard position to be in. I would sell out in a heartbeat just so anybody knows. You so. would? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't believe you. Like, no, like Julia Roberts and Pretty Woman, I'd sell out in a heartbeat. I'm just telling you, I'd be, I'd be all over it. No. Oh, dog. <laughs> I'd, I'd love to contradict him, but I can't. <laughs> he would. <laughs> well, I want it all. That's true. I'm just kidding. Now, let's, let's move on. I wanted to ask you, like, so you have this Hollywood experience um, in your background. How do you think that affected how you write and, and, and how you portray stories? It didn't affect anything except for, you know, giving me good ideas to pull from and good storylines to include. I wrote like a whole celebrity series of books. And there's a lot of that stuff that is very accurate to the business and very accurate to what I went through and experienced. So I also, you know, I had like a not so great experience uh, working at Star Wars. So I got to throw all my jabs in and all my anger out in one of my books where I got to make the person that I hated the villain without them knowing, right? I got to until now be like this. Yeah, <laughs> this guy sucks. When they're listening I right now. I don't care. I tell him to his face. Uh-huh. I don't, I'm not scared of no one. <laughs> That's cool. But do you, do you, um, when you write, do you visualize it as in a, like in a movie format when you're writing? Yeah, I definitely see it in my head. A hundred percent. So that's kind of like the first book that I wrote when I finally got it professionally edited. She said to me, Jen, you wrote this book, like you were a director and you were overseeing everything. And so you wrote, you wrote it from like a hundred points of view. And I was like, yeah, but that's how I saw it. Like, can't you see it? She's like, that's not how you write a book. And I was like, 
oh, she's like, you're supposed to stay in one person's head. I was like, wow, I do not know anything about anything. (laughs) I I, I wouldn't agree with that. I do write in multiple points of view, but but she was right from that first book. I very much was like head hopping every paragraph because I wrote it the way a camera would would film it. Some people don't mind that, don't mind reading that. I mean, LJ Ross is huge, especially in the UK, and she head hops all the time. I struggle to read that. It throws me. Oh, that's what I was gonna, that's what I was going to say. If you could read that without an issue and it works, cool, but I would find it would be I've never written another book that way, so I would like to think that doesn't work for me. <laughs> I would like to think I'm a better writer now. I think after 13 years, like I I've been in it for 13 years well, you would too, hope. and I feel like I'm I think a better it's safe writer. To say. Yeah. So, I feel like a rookie. You're veterans. How I feel like you've been doing it, Nick. Well, I wrote the first one in 2017, but I didn't do anything more until 2019. Really, 2020 is when I started. My God, you're just a little pumpkin baby. <laughs> little baby. He's cute, isn't it? So, yeah. You're just a little baby. We're dino authors. It's important to start a second griff from ground zero when you're young. But <laughs> I chose not yes. to do that. <laughs> same, same. But what do you like to do outside of writing then? I go to the gym. I sit at home by myself. I walk my dog. We like to find really good food and really bougie cocktails. Like I really enjoy finding a cocktail that takes like 10 minutes to make. Like there's nothing I love more. Do you like making them that take 10 minutes to make or you like finding somewhere where someone else takes 10 minutes to make them? I mean, I can make it, but I do enjoy finding somebody who's like just a fantastic mixologist. It's enjoy a good cocktail is really enjoyable. You can't beat a good cocktail. So seriously. So I also like my son plays professional baseball, so we travel to go see him play a lot. Who's he playing for? Who do we go root for? He he plays in Chicago. He is on a team called the Boomers. They're in the Frontier League. So During the season, he'll be there like from May through September. And we go there a lot and do that. Like our life like still kind of revolves around our kids. My boyfriend has a 17-year-old daughter. So it's still kind of like our hobbies are are making sure we see them and spend time with them because all of our kids are in different states. Dougie's got all his kids close to home, huh? I do right now, yeah. And grandkids. So I used to go grandbabies. Yeah, I got grandbabies. They're so quick. They call me Pops. In fact, it drives my wife nuts because they really like me the best. I'm the favorite. That's what I just wrote in my book. The guy that, you wrote that I was the says, favorite. I'm the first. No, he said I'm the. I made my my dad a grandpa, but he wants to be called Pops. Well, I chose Pops because it's a it's a. I love it. It's, a, it's it's good for later on. Like if you were to call me like Daddy Doug, which is great when they're three, but when they're twenty three, it becomes creepy. So Daddy Doug, I was just trying. Oh, you save that for the bedroom, Dougie. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Only your wife should be calling you Daddy Doug. There's no way Ashley is calling him Daddy Doug. <laughs> Dang it! I'm gonna work. I'm gonna work on it. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. Yeah, I'd be kind of. Kind of cool. No, yeah. But she had it. Yeah. When I when I, think, I meet her, when I meet her, I'm gonna be like, I heard that you called Doug Daddy Doug <laughs> in the bedroom. And she'll be like, wait, what? Ashley will turn around and slug Doug. That's what'll <laughs> happen in that scenario. She will turn around and deck Doug. All right. Well, I'm definitely doing it now. Yeah. Okay. Well, come on, because uh, Nink, she'll be there in Nink. She oh my gosh. Sure. Okay, I'm coming. Bring it on and just give me a warning. But anyway, I no. Video I, I, I do I do think you gotta think about your 
grandparent name for down the road, especially as, as, a, as a guy. Like, you know, granddaddy's okay, grandpa's okay, but I didn't want to feel like I was too kind of old. I liked Pops. It was kind of a cool... I like Pops, too. That's why I put it in the book, because it's super timeless. I'm Papa Nick. Papa Nick's not bad. Yeah, Papa Nick. Yeah, I didn't bad. think about the long term thing though. Like that's you know, not like that's not said, as bad. When like, they're married with my dad, uh, my yeah, my gra- my kids called my dad uh, Daddy Mike, and so that was great then. But now it's now they're in their twenties and they still call him. At, so you know, it's kind of I think that's gotta be. There's there's four deer outside my window right now. Oh, that's cool. Unless they're stalking you, they hear me in here. So they just look at me like, what are you doing, lady? I'm like, what do you want to do? You want me to take you for a walk? Like, what do you want <laughs> they, from me? They want you to feed them because it's freaking snowing outside and they got to dig to find this food. I have a giant water bowl for them. So they come here every day and drink the water. Oh, that's cool. It's the same deer. It's the same deer that come every single day. Huh. Do you name them? Yeah, I name them. <laughs> oh, what do you name them? I definitely name them. <laughs> but Is I it- name them like based on their ailments. Like one of them has a broken face. So I call him like a UFC fighter. I'm like, oh, the UFC fighter's here. And then one of them has like a janky foot. So I call him janky foot. I mean, one of them had one antler. So I call him one antler. Like they're very non creative, simple names, but. You make fun of their maladies. Is that what it is? So. Yeah, but I do it with love. <laughs> that's english humor right there that's when you're growing up you get nicknamed by whatever your ailment is and yeah, it's, that's, it's yeah. so not pc but it still them, happens i can't keep them all straight literally they're they're, they're like they look like hurtness is the only way i could tell them apart <laughs> they're Tough. giant they're like the size of donkeys i've never seen deer like this is there a way to turn my camera around? Well, well, but the, but well we're, we're not... an audio podcast, Jen, so it's not very <laughs> oh, exciting for the <laughs> Sorry, listeners. everyone. Imagine okay, Doug. Deer. We're going to describe the deer. Man. We're going to describe yeah. the deer. So get we're going to ask one more question for you. And we have a, a fun wheel. It's a wheel Ooh. of questions. So you get one last question and you get to hear the sound effects. That's kind of a great sound. I know, isn't it? That's why we had the wheel. We could just record the sound, but, you know. Well, this might be interesting. If you weren't doing what you're doing now, what would you like to do? When I did get fired and I started writing, I started two other businesses. One was photography and one was making cupcakes. And it's funny because the cupcake business was the one that took off the most. And it made me the angriest because it was so much work and so much. It's so expensive. I wasn't making any money. And then the photography was the second most popular. And I was like, this sucks too. Cause like, you're not really working for yourself. You know, you got to do it on everybody else's time. And then they want their edits right away. And then the books were the least that brought me the most joy. So I would like to think, I mean, there is a part of me that really, really enjoys baking, really enjoys like all the cupcakes that I created. Like I did all this stuff from scratch frost. Like, I mean, I had a whole business plan. I really like that, but I think I would hate it in two seconds. I don't want to do anything. I want to make a lot of freaking money writing books and I want to sell them and I want them to be a TV series on Netflix. And that is what I want. And then people bring you cupcakes. That sounds, yeah. that sounds and then like people bring, bring you cupcakes and, uh, and, uh, hors d'oeuvres and drinks. That take 10 minutes. I agree with you because I would already said I'm a sellout. I would sell out in a heartbeat. So that's kind of all I want to do is be a sellout. Somebody come along and buy my book and then you can change all the names to whatever you want to. You can change the whole thing as long as you pay me for it. Nick, what would you be doing? Well, God, you just started writing. I'd still be in racing. I'd be working for the NASCAR team. 
okay, that's really cool. Why did you stop working for them? Uh, uh, (laughs) Long story. The same reason I stopped working at Star Wars? Pretty much, yeah, your your Lucasfilm. You know, there's. I'm sure it was the same at Lucas. 95% of the people there were fantastic and great and uh, working together and pulling the same way and everything else. And it's just the few that ruin it for everybody. Out of curiosity, do you think maybe it's y'all that are the few? Never. No. Never crossed my mind. <laughs> nope. No, no. Because I know, I know I was not the problem. I've never been fired from a job before. But I mean, I do have a strong personality. So if a male in a certain authoritative position doesn't like a strong, mouthy female, then that's going to be a problem for me. I'm a little scared right now because what I have to say is we're done with the show. Is it okay if we stop now? I just want to check with you, Jen, before we go no ahead and wrap it up. No one told you we could end, Nick. <laughs> no one said you could end. No. This, this has been – my face hurts. I laugh so much. So, Jen, I can't wait to see you at Nink. You've got to come. And uh, Oh, my gosh. This has been I'm going to come even if I don't go. <laughs> Wait, oh my god. No. Let's wrap wait, that wait. up. Let's let's wrap <laughs> before it continues getting out but thanks Jen. Appreciate it. Thanks guys. She is funny. She's she's a hoot, isn't she? Everyone, as we got off air, she ran through the house with her computer and walked outside and showed us the deer she was talking about. And she walked up. And they're sniffing her hand, the the wild deer in the backyard. So it was uh, it was pretty cool. She has tamed them down here in Tennessee. Somebody would just tame them. And I was going to say you, you, you'd, you'd see it drop in front of you. Like thanks for holding it still <laughs> for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. What's what's happening in your world there, Doug? Oh, uh, well, let's see. I'm actually getting ready to leave in like two days. Going to Columbia, the country, not like Columbia, South Carolina, Cartagena down there where i am so jealous man yeah, i'm excited gonna about be that cool. gonna, i'm gonna do some diving we're gonna do some like that's um really tour the islands tour some cities mostly though we're looking for places to set my next corsair book so it's gonna be pretty exciting research. About, so research. research it's so much fun and i've already looked at we places to, to eat yep places to go i'm kind of excited about the diving it's gonna be pretty cool so very cool the we uh had a dive master with Neptune Divers in um, Cayman uh, years ago, who was from Colombia. And he he said the diving there really is superb. Um, he was a dive really master great. in Cayman, so that's what he was comparing it to. And he said, it's, no, it's really good. So can't wait to hear. Colombia is not far from Bonaire. It's like right there, pretty close. Across across from, yeah, Venezuela is uh, right below Bonaire. But how about you? What's going on with you? Well, when this airs, will be the release of Lighthouse Point, the new A.J. Bailey adventure. And it's, uh, I'm man, I'm excited. It's a bit of a passion project. It's got uh, a lot of diving in it, a lot of tech diving. It's got um, uh, a race. For the first time, I've got racing in a book. and uh, But it's the flashback stuff from the other timeline, that, as I do dual, dual timelines a lot. And so it's from 1970, the racing. But uh, uh, if you're not interested in diving or racing, don't worry. It's the backbone of the story is... Uh, uh, I think still carries it. It just happens. Who's not interested in diving there. or racing? Boring. I don't people. know. I just I threw that out there. But I mean, like I seriously, I like I don't race, but I mean, it'd be kind of cool. I do dive, but to mix them together, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I think so. It's the longest novel I've written to date. I really enjoyed 
writing it. And it's uh, right now it's in the final editing and uh, it will release on the 23rd. So check it out. And then I have some very sad news. So David Soul passed away. Remember Starsky and Hutch? Yes. Yeah. David Soul. Yep. And I killed him. I killed him. Well, he was Starsky, wasn't he? Or is he no. Hutch? He oh, Hutch? now I forget. He was Hutch, I think. He was Hutch. Oh, okay. shit. I don't know. I don't remember. But anyway, I feel terrible. So this is one uh, of those crazy you killed things him, yes, in the universe. <laughs> I feel like I did. This is one of the nuts things in this universe. So my wife and I were, were out for a walk, literally a week, maybe four days, five days before uh, he passed. And I don't know why. Something came up that I started thinking about David Soul and remember the the records that he put out. And I'm like, yeah, because he died young. And she's like, no, I think he's still alive. I said, no, I'm pretty sure he's the guy that died young. So then we looked it up and he's not, he's still alive. I'm like, oh, thank God, David Soul's still alive. Like four days later, he's dead. Nice. So pretty you sure did that's me that okay. did that. Yeah, pretty sure I killed him. So I apologize to everybody. I don't know that he's doing anything, so he's probably in a better place. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean he oh. wasn't he wasn't coming out with Starsky and Hutch 2 or anything like that. So No, but he was probably enjoying himself. I mean Maybe. he probably had grandkids and things and I'm sure he did. Him, I, mean, uh, I mean it's Daddy very sad. David. I guess Daddy David. <laughs> All right. I'm not gonna live that down, am I? <laughs> you are not. Not not as long as I'm alive. <laughs> so <laughs> thank you, Jen, for coming on the show. What a <laughs> what a hilarious uh lady and uh yeah so subscribe to the show give us a five-star review if you wouldn't mind if if you think this was worth five stars make sure you <laughs> check out our show notes because we do have all of jen's real websites for her books and stuff not her anything else but <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you in a couple of weeks right that's absolutely yes sir until then be cool to each other fair winds and following seas You've been listening to the Two Authors Chat Show with Nicholas Harvey and Douglas Pratt.